Genesis House and the Friends in Recovery podcast are proud to bring you Answering the Call, the first responder podcast. Join your hosts, Mike the Podfather and Jersey Ed, as they address the real issues in health and wellness for first responders. From physical and mental health to relationships and work-life balance, we leave no stone unturned. Answering the Call, the first responder podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube, as well as iHeartRadio. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery answering the call. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Answering the Call, the First Responders Podcast. I am Jersey Ed, along with my co-host, Skylar, at noontime. What's what's your name, Skylar? My name is Skylar Noon, so I just figure, you know, I mean, might as well put it together, you know. Noontime with Sky. <laughs> <laughs> That's her name. So um, the podfather, unfortunately, isn't here today. He said to tell everybody he's in Hawaii, which is a total BS. He's not in Hawaii. I think he had to run around and go get some Christmas presents. So, <laughs> um, But he, he'll be back next show. And, I, and listen, Sky, I took off two shows last week, right? We so self-care. Yeah, yeah self-care. So, mm-hmm. so today, um, our guest is Keith Bear. Um, and I'm probably not pronouncing a bear. I think that's how you pronounce it. And uh, he's a corrections officer. We're going to bring him in. Uh, in on, he's a retired corrections officer. We're going to bring him in, in on a minute. But Scott, here's the funny thing. This is ATC answering the call, the first responders podcast. And you and I have nothing to do with first. Well, we did first responders. We got chased by the cops when we were. Yeah, there. my brother's a firefighter. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. There you go. Yeah. So, but. Uh, but Podfather will be back next week. And I think, Sky, you, you and I can handle uh, the interview with uh, Keith. If Yeah, if no, not. I'm excited to hear all about it, too. Exactly, you know? exactly. But real quick, I want to let everybody know, um, if you want to give us a call, if you have any questions for, for us or any, any questions for Keith, um, call us at 617-379-1163 or email us at help at friendsandrecoverypodcast.com. And uh, just, um, you know, you can get a hold of us um, that way. Or if you want to go to Friends and Recovery Community Support or Friends and Recovery Podcast on our Facebook pages, Instagram, uh, wherever, you know, whatever uh, social media is. So you can get a hold of us at, at those places, like our pages. I think there's a Answering the Call page, right, Skylar? Isn't yes. There? So, yeah. So go to Answering the Call, the First Responders Podcast on Facebook and uh, and like us and you'll you'll see this video there of, of Keith. So, um, so our, our, uh, our guest today is Keith Bear from, uh, he's retired corrections officer, 22 years with the Massachusetts department of corrections last five years, uh, at the DOC, he was with the employee assistance union. Keith retired in 2020. That was not too long ago of August, um, prior to the DOC four years at a, at the, as a nine one one dispatcher in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, yeah, Massachusetts, massive Massachusetts, <laughs> Massachusetts. <laughs> My guys, I had a tooth pulled. That's why I wasn't here last week, and my tongue is killing me. So, and I did, just did another podcast. So, uh, anyways, um, he started working for a Ware Recovery Care in September of 2020 as a first responders community liaison, which I think is really, really cool. And we're yes. going to find out all all about that. But Keith, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time. We've been talking about it for a while. It's finally here. We have. Absolutely. We definitely have. Keith and I, Skylar, Keith and I go way, way back. Um, Keith is actually, um, has, has referred plenty of clients, plenty of his corrections officers to Genesis House. And uh, that's how we first met. And we just kind of built a friendship up. And uh, 
Um, you know, now he's doing a couple of things, you know, um, after retirement and, uh, and he's doing some good things. You know, Keith, Keith was always there to help, always there to, you know, Ed, can you help me with this one? Can you do this? What do you think about that? And I think, you know, his, his, um, his love for the corrections and, and their, their well being was amazing. And I think it's because you've been there, you've done it, you were inside the walls and, uh, and you know what that can wreak havoc on, on people's lives is, you know, talk a little bit about that and, you know, tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that cumulative stress that every day, um, being inside prison, it's, it, you know, it adds up and, and it's, you know, we talk about it, right. How it affects you and, um, those critical incidences and things that are normal to us aren't normal for normal people say normal people, um, you know, if, you, if you're at the beach with your family and there's a car accident, there's like a bloody body on the sidewalk, people are freaking out. We can just step over that with that kid and go get an ice cream, right? Not normal um, and how that affects us over time. And more importantly, or as important, how it affects our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what we bring home or what we think we're not bringing home, but we really are. And that that kind of that transference on mm-hmm. the people we care about. Mm-hmm. Um I like to focus on that. And again, Ed, you're right. Uh, I bounced stuff off you for years. I still do because it was, I always got, you know, good information and I always got help from you. So I do want to thank you for that, for all those years of just helping our first responders. And it was a quick phone call too. And I, and I knew they were in good hands. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Well, you know, and, and, that, and, well, we, and Skyler and I are just off the air before we were just talking about John Lackman, um, who you probably yeah. know. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but John died about two months ago. Um, oh, yeah, he had some cancer and, uh, but he was one of, he was, he, he started that first responders program mm-hmm. that what it is today. And, and it's, it's, it's great. You know, you've, you've referred plenty of clients to, to it. And, and a lot of them have become, you know, sober and, and, and actually some are even working on a unit where you worked. <laughs> they certainly are. And, you know, we were talking about that. Um, I just talked to that gentleman a little while ago, a good friend of mine. Uh, he's been on the show. Yep. Changed his life going to Genesis House. It, it, it changed his life. Um, did end up working on the unit with me. By the way, he's also recently retired um, as well. Ah, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, following my footsteps. Uh, we had some heart to heart conversations about, right? We were talking about it before the show, the quality of life. Mm. Um, when is enough enough? And, and when is it time for that self care and taking care of yourself? Um, so yeah, he's since retired as well. <laughs> good, 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 good. So let's go back to the beginning, 22 years as a correction officer. And I'm guessing, uh, five of those years were in the, uh, in the employee assistance, but what was it like being inside the wall? What was it like, um, living that day to day, um, you know, I'm sure it was a different life than the job that we have and the job that you have now. It, it would probably, I don't, I don't know if it was stressful. Tell, tell us a little bit about it because we have a lot of first responders listening. There are some corrections officers, but corrections is definitely different than police and fire and EMT. It, it, it's the highest divorce rate, the highest suicide rate. It's just these crazy numbers, crazy figures that you guys have versus the other first responders. Yeah, and you know, we, I kind of talked about it earlier, right? It, it, we normalize a lot of things. Um, we kind of become desensitized to the worst of the worst in life. Um, when you first start, you know, it's like every day is like this big deal, right? You, you see something or, you know, you see maybe a suicide attempt from an inmate or something. And it's, it's a big deal. Um, and then 
Mm. You really become desensitized to it. And when I realized really what it meant is they started like a friends and family program at the Mass DOC. You could have your loved ones go in, they do a tour. Everyone said the same thing to me when that first door shots, that big metal trap, when you're going in, everybody jumps. Mm-hmm. So that kind of made me think back. I'm like, yeah, I remember the first time I did that, it was like, it was like that big metal. You're inside now, right? You can't get out. Somebody has to let you out. You mm-hmm. can't just leave on your own free will. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes so normal to go in there. It becomes so normal to see the things that we see. Um, and again, that being desensitized to some bad things and how that translates to coming home. And maybe maybe a spouse, maybe something's going on at home with your spouse and they think it's like something very serious. And because of the environment that you work in, it's really not that big of a deal to you. Um, And then how how that can cause some issues in relationships. We also have, you know, our divorce rate is astronomical. and some, and this is some of the reasons why it's, it's difficult to come home and say, oh, uh, you know, I have to bring the dog to the vet. And you just saw someone try to take their own life today. And, and it matters to the family, right? But it might not be such a big deal to you in, in, in that every day to day life. So it, it just, we become very desensitized to things that we probably shouldn't and how that affects our loved ones. Mm-hmm. So you, so you live this double life, basically you live this life as a corrections officer, seeing this bad, crazy stuff. Um, I guess bad is the right word, crazy stuff. And then you come home and you're like, Oh, I'm Keith, the husband, I'm Keith, the dad, I'm Keith, the guy who walks the dog. Meanwhile, all this shit's boiling up in your head. Like, holy crap, I just seen some guy kill himself or there was just a huge fight or it was a gangbang, you know, going down here and, you know, or, or these guys were demanding this and, and you know, what do I do? You know, that is insane. I mean, that that's that's just two different worlds you live in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and we don't want to expose our loved ones to all this stuff, right? Yes. We want to protect them. That's what, we're, that's what we want to do. Um, but you really can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying your spouse or your loved one should know every gory little detail but it's okay to come home and say i had a bad day Mm. i need 10 minutes i need to go to the gym i need to go for a walk i need to bring my daughter on the swing set whatever you need whatever you do for that self-care and whatever you do to decompress um it's very important to to at least have that open line of communication with your loved ones it's okay to have a bad day Mm. Uh, we put on this uniform and it's the shield right um, it's okay to take that down with the people, you know, you're supposed to be vulnerable with mm. and, and have those moments to say, I had a bad day. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, have those open lines of communication. I, I can remember, you know, my wife, you know, if I got hurt at work, I wanted to make sure I was out of the hospital before the end of my shift. So she wouldn't know what was going on. Oh, geez. Uh, right. Or if you had to go to the hospital, you got hurt or whatever, right? Even if it's a little thing, you just, you don't want them to know. Mm-hmm. Well, God forbid you come home with a cast on your hand. They're like, what, what happened? You mm-hmm. want to protect them from that. Mm-hmm. But do you really, um, even to this day, my daughter's 12. And if we go out to dinner to the 99 or something and the waitress walks to the middle of the restaurant, says, oh, here's your table, sir. My little girl starts to laugh. She's like, my daddy won't sit here. He has to sit <laughs> in the back with his back against the wall, wow, looking wow. at the exit sign. Wow. And to me, that's normal. To my family, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Is it really normal though? What we call normal? It's not. And if you know that vicarious trauma over mm. time, that 
I have to be able to see where I'm sitting, see my exits, you know, survey the scene, so to speak, know it. Every person in the restaurant, you know, you watch hands, you do, you just do things that's not considered normal, mm -hmm. but it is in our world. And then yeah. you end up only socializing with correction officers or police officers or firefighters or first responders. It, you, that becomes your outside family as well. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a very strange subculture. Mm -hmm. How did you break that? Because it, it sounds like you broke that. It sounds like you you tell your wife, you, you know, the open line of communication, as you called it. Um, how did you break that? How did you notice it? Because a lot of people don't notice until the divorce happens to till the, uh, you know, maybe the suicide attempt or the drinking or whatever. You noticed it and you were able to correct it and say, honey, I do need a time to myself. It's what it sounds like yeah. to me anyways. And yeah. that's what I was going to say is that there's got to be some time when you come home to take that armor off. Cause like mm -hmm. you said, you showed up, it's like armor and you have to be you again. And, and mm -hmm. that there's, you can't just switch face. You got to take it off and give some time to yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was fortunate. Uh, I've been with my wife a long time. So she's um, walked this walk with me. She's been going through this journey with me. And, and again, having that open line of communication, it, it's okay to have a bad day or, or for her to recognize, okay, he's off today. Hmm. And, knowing when to maybe push a little bit to say, Hey, mm. do we need to talk? Or, you know, geez, he hasn't been home from work five days in a row. And when he does come home, he's drunk. Mm. Hey, what's up? Mm. Without making a big deal out of it. Um, understanding, you know, what we go through understanding. Um, I mean, I, I, crazy stories or whatever, but you know, I can remember my wife, coming home and or I text her, hey, it's been a bad day at work. And she'll be like, I'll meet you in the garage. So she knew I was going to get undressed in the garage. She was going to have to wash my bloody uniform, Oof. walk in the house naked to take a shower. Mm -hmm. Like things like that. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate. She mm -hmm. walked that walk from day one with me. Good. I'm Good. not everybody is as fortunate because um, it does take a huge toll um, mm -hmm. on the family. And, and you know, I took when I was doing the employee assistance. Every time, oh, this job hasn't changed me. Mm -hmm. no, I'm the same person I was, you know, when I started. I, and I would always ask, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> if I asked your loved ones and your spouse the same question, what would they say? Mm. And they and they kind of look at you. Mm. Exactly. Well, well, you know, well, okay, well then I'll, I'm just asking the question. Mm -hmm. Has the job changed you? And then the other funny thing, kind of made a joke out of it is, have you ever heard from your loved ones? Don't talk to me like I'm a fucking inmate. Mm, I mean, yeah. And they laugh. Oh, so you have heard that. So again, mm. I'm just, I'm not, we're not putting blame here. We're just asking questions. Mm -hmm. If your loved ones say that to you, has the job changed you? Just, yes. Yeah. Has it and that, your family? That's deep. <laughs> that's crazy. That, right. yeah. And you bring that home. Um, so he, the, the one thing that, that I just wrote down and, and what you're talking about is that drop in the bucket. It gets dropped in a bucket a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. And then you become that corrections officer 
24-7. You become that police or whatever it is. Um, and you don't realize that, that that bucket can be emptied at any time. And you don't have to let that bucket be filled up with the corrections or the, the drugs or the alcohol or whatever it is or you know whatever you're dealing with. You can empty it out. And it sounds like that's what you did. Um, you were able to empty it out and sit there with your wife and talk to her about it. And I'm sure it wasn't perfect. I'm sure there was, you know, some tough times. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course not. But, but you're able to get through, you know, good times right. and bad times. And, and, uh, and that's, that's resilience, you know, that that's, you're able to bounce back from that. Now, EAP, uh, employee assistance program, yeah. you, that was your last four or five years. That's where you yeah. and I met and um, explain what that is and, and how a corrections officer can use an EAP program um, and what, what it does for, for, you know, for, for the corrections officer himself. Yeah. So the employee assistance unit for the mass DOC, anyhow, that's my experience is um, there's the, there's, I think 11 of them now or 12. They've hired some people since I've retired. Um, they're peer counselors. So it's uh, peer driven. And then we have a, a clinician as the director of the unit. So mm-hmm. we always have that clinical backing, right? We can always go to that person if, if we need some advice on something. And basically it's anything that employee is struggling with or their family members. So there's, you know, probably 4,000 correction officers plus their families. So that team of 11 or 12 is busy. Anything that affects that employee, maybe they're going through a divorce, maybe it's financial, uh, maybe it's substance use. Um, anything that's affecting that employee, we would try to help with, or we would find them resources. Um, anything from suicidality to about financial issues for, or whatever, any mental health issues. And they have a, they, that team does a really, really good job of having resources available at all times. And uh, they have, they can call the duty station or we, every unit, every person on the unit has a cell phone uh, with the number published throughout the department. And then we do trainings. Uh, we do in-service trainings. We have a couple hour block during service. Um, you know, one year we did, you know, trauma to addiction, resilience. And so they do different things, you know, to get the team out there, put a face to the name. Anybody mm. can look on a computer and see a name, but it's nice to put a face to a name. So we get to see them there in trainings. And um, that team, especially in the time of COVID, um, the director has done a really good job mm. of keeping them relevant. They've done like like a Zoom COVID series. Anybody that had COVID that wanted to talk about it, how it affected them, they did that. They do like a coffee talk on like Tuesdays, you know, a Zoom coffee talk. So nice. people can log on. So yeah, the, the directors really come up um, with some innovative ideas to keep that team relevant right now during these crazy times. Good, good, good. And we're going to take a quick break here. When we get back, Keith, we're going to talk about um, what you're doing now. You retire to go back to work. Um, (laughs) So the pod father did that also. We're going to talk about um, aware recovery uh, care and uh, what you're, what you're doing there. And you're doing some really cool stuff with the first responders right now. And uh, uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll, we'll pick your brain about that. Sounds good. Uh, Answering call the first responders podcast. We'll be right back. You're first, first to respond, first to put others' lives before your own. And in an emergency, you need a network that puts you first, that connects you to technology, to each other, and to other agencies. Built with and for first responders. FirstNet, the only congressionally authorized wireless network for first responders. Because putting you first is our job. 
Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. At Genesis House, they focus on treating the underlying causes of addiction. Their comprehensive approach includes psychiatric care, individual and small group therapy, trauma healing techniques, and holistic care including yoga, massage, and animal-assisted therapy. After treatment, their clients enjoy the lifelong support of a nationwide network of Genesis House alumni. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Answering the Call, the First Responders podcast. And our guest here is Keith A. Bear. Um, I'm also here with Skyler, my my get, my host guest for today. The podfather is apparently in Hawaii. That's what he's saying. So <laughs> I wish I was in Hawaii with him. Right. Now, listen, the podfather won't fly down to Philadelphia, let alone to freaking Hawaii. Okay. So that's we know that's way. total BS. All right. So, but I think he's doing some Christmas shopping. But Keith, we were just talking during a break. Um, you said you have some experience, you know, what the commercial we just heard was uh, from the, uh, the the first net first responders uh, um, by built by AT&T. And I always ask my guests after, you know, after the commercial, because uh, have they used it? And most of them have. And I have not. I've I've very rarely heard of them because I'm not a first responder. But you said you used um, first net. Well, it's yeah, a service for first responders. So during like a natural disaster or some type of critical incident, um, those lines would stay open for first responders to be able to connect and and you know disseminate information. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a service that you have on your cell phone specifically for for you for guys first for first responders. Right. Good, good, good. And and you know they're they're a great sponsor. And and I'm learning more and more from our guest Skyler. I know you haven't been on the show too much, but every time I ask somebody to have more information about it and, and it's fascinating. One person told us that they have these um mobile um satellite things so if something like if a sat if, if a, uh, a tower goes down in an area um they can bring us a, a tower to the area for the first oh responders gosh. where there's a disaster it's amazing what these guys are doing and you know after 9-11 we learned a lot you know um the, you know these poor guys who were trying to go up and down a building didn't have any any communication and they were just walking into their death so thank god for this first net built by at&t you know it's going to save a lot of it's going to save a lot of lives for civilians and first responders. So, mm-hmm. um, so Keith, we were just talking about Keith Bear, a bear. It's pronounced a bear, right? Yeah, bear. Yes. Um, corrections officer uh, for the Mass uh, Department of Corrections, and um, Keith is now working with um, Aware Recovery uh, Care. And I was I, actually we had somebody on the show from Aware um, about a year ago. And um, they were, uh, I forget the guy's name. You might know him. I, I will have to look it up if anybody knows the uh, the show that we had. And just, you know, get, send us an email, but it's it's in there. But, but um, tell us a little about what you do. And I think this is such a great idea for first responders. Yeah. So following my retirement, um, I knew I wanted to go into the recovery field somewhere. Um, and a, a friend of mine 
uh, made the connection for me to, to aware, aware recovery care. And I'd never heard of them. They were just opened up in Massachusetts and they needed someone to help the first responders. They wanted someone that's, you know, kind of been there, uh, can talk the talk, explain the program to them. Um, so what aware that we are an in-home addiction treatment uh, for people who suffer with substance abuse. Um, we do everything in home unless somebody needs that higher level of care. Um, and that's what we, you know, we partner with like a Genesis house, send them to, you know, get, you know, medically stabilized and then back into our care. So what that looks like for our folks is um, once they come into our care, we get them in touch with an addiction psychiatrist, see if there's any co-occurring disorders, you know, any mental health issues going on, see if they need any um, medications prescribed so that that addiction psychiatrist would be their prescriber. Um, and then the next person on the team is a licensed marriage family therapist. As we know, usually someone suffering from substance use, the family suffering a little bit as well. So mm-hmm. again, uh, the licensed marriage family therapist works alone with the family and that family is whoever that client identifies as their family. It might not be traditional mom, dad, brother, sister, cousin, whatever, but whoever they identify, whoever their allies are. And again, not to dig up the past and, and do all that work, but just to educate those family members on addiction and, and what it means and what the client might be going through, especially in that first responder realm, right? Maybe explaining that cumulative trauma that, that we go through. Um, so that's the next person on the team. Um, then we have our care coordinator, care coordinators, um, called like the quarterback of the team. They collaborate with any outside providers, therapists, physicians. Um, as we know, sometimes people struggling with addiction at least my experience when I was on the EAP, they were, hey, when's the last time you saw your primary care? And they laugh. Mm-hmm. So, 10 years ago. So we'll find them the primary care. Um, we find people that are in network with their insurance. Um, the idea is on that 53rd week, because we're a 52-week program, we're in the home for 52 weeks. On 53rd week, they have people in network, in their community, that they can fall back on if there's a life change or something. So that care coordinator will collaborate with all the outside providers, um, get all the information to the team, um, you know, just what's going on. Uh, they collaborate with everyone on the team to make sure we, the medical needs are met. Um, if, the, if the client goes to an appointment, what the results of that appointment are, just so everybody's on the same page. Um, the next is the two certified recovery advisors. These are the folks um, that'll be in the home with them the most. We try to age, gender, story match as close as possible. So again, um, we're talking about first responders. Uh, first responder comes in, and you know, we're gonna we have former first responders on our team that can talk to this person. So again, just to build that relationship, um, what our program looks like is the first couple of weeks, four to five times a week, we'll be in the home. And as time goes on, you know, we, we back that down. Um, you know, the CRAs, they have a curriculum similar to our, at, at any recovery center, right? And we, when we do that over 52 weeks, the, the meetings will go from an hour to two hours. Um, and then, you know, they do things like they try to get their clients back into sober living communities. What did you do before addiction took, took, your, took your life into a, a different path? Um, and they help them do that. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe they want to go ballroom dancing or something. They would bring them there. They would, mm. you know, even, hey, I want to go to an AA meeting. But it's scary that first time, right? To walk mm. into a room with people. Um, they'll go with them. So, you know, they have this curriculum that they use, but they also 
try to help them get back into some sober living activities. So those two CRAs, again, age, gender, story matched as close as possible. Nice. Well, that's that, that I did not know. Yeah, that's really <laughs> well, extensive. First of all, COVID, COVID came through and me, you and I haven't been able to sit down and talk. Right. And uh, you got in, I guess you started with them in, in August, but that's <clears throat> that service for first responders is amazing. 52 weeks, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me, in the home. Um, and a lot of first responders, you, you know, you know, we do those 12 step meetings, um, uh, you know, uh, and actually, actually, I didn't even talk about that, but I'll, I'll talk about that at the end of the show. But we do 12 step meetings um, and uh, a lot of first responders sometimes hesitate to come on there. Um, and when they do come on, they don't turn the camera, which is great for Zoom and, and great for, for the first responders on Zoom because right. they don't have to talk and they don't have they can get that in. But if they don't have to go out somewhere and they can get kind of acclimated to treatment in their own home. That is amazing. That is amazing. And I didn't know it was 52 weeks. And that that's like, like, like you guys break it down from everything to, you know, getting from all the way down to like a, almost a sober life coach you give yeah, them at, like at towards the end. Yeah. You know? Right. And again, the flexibility of the program, the beauty of it is let's say on the 30th week, um, something pops up in their life. Right. And now we're only, we're only seeing the client twice a week on that 30th week something pops up, they lose their job. Maybe they have a, a, a recurrence, uh, maybe they you know, drink or whatever. Now we can ramp it back up. So we're flexible mm-hmm. where if something's going well and we have therapy involved, we have a good therapist, they're going to their 12 step meetings, we can you know, back off. And then if something happens, we have the ability and the flexibility to ramp back up and maybe support them a little more. That's awesome. It's interesting. It was, yeah. it was very interesting yeah. to me. I'd never heard of it. Uh, it was explained to me and uh, I jumped on board. So, um, what, what's the, God, I'm just trying to think what, what about the best words here. What's the, um, the success rate. I hate when people say that and when they tell me what's the success rate, but somebody living in their own home, um, being comfortable and, and being, I think you get a little bit more vulnerable. I think you can sit there with your therapist without anybody being around, without being a door, without a, 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 you know, without somebody down the hallway, I think they can get a little bit more vulnerable. And I think recovery happens, um, probably at a much quicker rate and, and a much um, kind of uh, more stable rate. Yeah. Again, you just said, right. You hate, you hate numbers and, and how we gauge and how we gauge success is engagement into our program. Right. It's not necessarily abstinence. Again, we understand things happen in life, but our, the science behind our program is, if you stay engaged for 52 weeks, you have an 80% chance of living a sober life. Nice. Uh, but again, all 52 weeks, right? And our average stay is 260 days. Um, that's our that's our average. So 52-week program, our average is at 260 days. Because things happen, right? Um, insurances, people change jobs or insurances. Um, so yeah, our 80% success rate is engagement in our program. And that's how we we gauge the success. When you go to their house, does that bring you more like accountability too? Like, you know, like you can't hide some stuff that you're doing at home versus when you go to IOP. I mean, That's I'm just thinking question. what I, as an yeah. addict, I'm thinking. <laughs> well, just think about it, right? Family night, you you go to a treatment program for family night. Everybody's dressed up nice and everybody's yeah. proper, but we're in the home 52 weeks. That's what I mean. Sometimes up to four or five times a week. Yeah. We get a really, really um, good gauge on, the family dynamics. What's right? Going What's going on? Recycling bucket overflowing with empties. Um, is the spouse mm. engaged? 
is the spouse home? Are the children engaged? You know, really that family dynamic, we get a really good look into the window. And Keith, you're already built to like be an observer. So it's like, you know, you're able to see in the house. No, seriously, that's a good thing because then you're able to help them more because you're going to see where he's, where they're BS, you know, (laughs) pulling your leg, you know? Right. And and the folks that are going into the home, you know, we usually like our first home visit, um, where did you hide your drugs and alcohol? Mm-hmm. Just I, I get it. You clean your house out. Maybe you forgot. Mm-hmm. Let's yes. just go over these hiding places. And mm. it, it kind of, it, it empowers that client mm-hmm. to get rid of Love anything or, or to be honest, or, you know, to, just to keep them accountable. And then again, you're in their home. So you get a pretty, is the home clean? Is it not? You know, mm-hmm. it should get a, you know, stay out of the kids' rooms, you know, and all that, things like that. But you do get a really good look into the window of their lives. Wow. Like, wow. Yeah. Because yeah. instead of success rate, it's like you kind of can just see like patterns over the year, you know, like with your right. client, you notice the, the patterns, you notice your client's days that kind of seem off. So that's awesome that you guys, it's a great way to really help somebody. Mm-hmm. And again, um, with that, that care coordinator, Everything gets reported back. So that care coordinator, again, is making sure everybody on the team is the client. Did they have a bad week? Why? You know, what's going on? And then mm-hmm. being able to um, work with the outside therapist. Again, we're not trying to take the clients from it. If you already have a therapist, it's less work for us. Great. We don't have to find you a therapist. Now we can just get that release of information and work with that therapist. So if you're having a therapist sees you up once a week, mm-hmm. maybe for an hour, maybe once every other week. Well, if we're there four or five times that first week, now we can report back to that therapist. Mm-hmm. Hey, I know you exactly. have a therapist coming up next week. This is what's been going on. Um, you know, here's some issues. Or this is, hey, they've been going to all their 12-step meetings. Everything's going well. Just, just to have that, again, that open line of communication with everybody involved in the care. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And and that's why I said the recovery probably happens quicker or the relapses are shorter or the uh, stress or whatever it is, is probably narrowed down because you're, first of all, you're in their home. You're, you're like Skylar said, you're seeing their routine. You're seeing what's going on and that's where it happens. Like it doesn't happen at the treatment center. It doesn't, the relapses don't happen at the IOP happens in the home, you know, it happens. That's, I mean, or, or, you know, like, I don't mean exactly in a home, but it could happen at the liquor store, the bar, but, but they're coming home and hiding from it all yes. and they can't hide there. Right. And then we also have the ability, we have, you know, accountability tools like Soberlink and, you know, we can do drug tests and alcohol testing if need be. Um, so yeah, it, those CRAs really do, they get, they build that report again, age, gender, story matched. So you have that report, the person you're sitting across from, has been there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not always people in recovery, but most of our CRAs are people in long-term recovery. Again, mm-hmm. age, story, gender match to build that rapport. So yeah, I had a bad day. It's okay to have a bad day, but now talk to that CRA about it and what happened, what were the triggers, you know, how did you get through it? So when it happens next time, we already have some tools in the toolbox to help you through it because everybody's different, right? So for those CRAs to get to know that client, really, really in depth and personally and being able to help them, you know, further in their recovery. It, mm-hmm. It's a very, very cool model. I want to link, I want to link something, what you just said to what something you said before the break, bad day. You were one of the fortune ones to come home and tell your wife you had a bad day. You were one of the fortune ones to come home and have your wife understand, give you your space and, and that whole nine yards. You guys had that, um, like you said, that open line of communication, 
most people don't. So when that person comes home, when that first first responder comes home, he or she may not be able to tell their spouse or their loved one or whatever that they had a bad day. And maybe that, that open line of communication is there. But your therapist comes in, sits down and says, nobody's around. I had a fucking bad day. You know, I just I, just, I can't tell my wife or I can't tell my husband or whatever. Um, and I had a bad day. So that opens up a lot, of, lot more and it opens up that whole line of communication to tell your wife or your husband or your loved one. I mean, I can see all this, you know, all this vision that you guys have, how it can keep snowballing to help the client and help the mm-hmm. first responder. And like you said, snowballing to help them, right? Having that CRA that you're comfortable with, right? Maybe you don't have a meeting till next week, but you have that CRA's phone number. So it's on the way home. So maybe you'll call that CRA on the way home and say, Hey, I had a bad day and have a 10 minute conversation. Mm-hmm. So when you walk through the door, you don't kick the dog, yell mm-hmm. at your spouse, yell at the kids. Um, maybe it's just enough that you have that, you have somebody mm-hmm. to say, I had a bad day. Yep. Um, to build that relationship with those CRAs, they're a very important part of our program. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the sad part of it, Keith. People probably go years without saying I had a bad day. So even once a week, if they can say they had a bad day, mm-hmm. that's a check in the wing column for them. You know what I mean? And then eventually you get into that. I had a bad day daily or whatever when it does happen, you know? Right now, you talk about our first responders. People were calling them all day because they had a bad day. Mm. That's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. We answer the call. Yeah, people were calling first responders to for whatever because very seldom are you calling the fire police department for something good, right? We go to these people when in the worst days of their lives and helping them understand it's okay to have a bad day. You can have a bad day and and get treatment in your home being anonymous. So you might not run into the person you arrested last week at the AA meeting. Mm. Um, how important that is for our first responders to be anonymous and, and get the help that they need. And absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very, it was a very interesting concept for me when I, it was explained to me and, and I, I bought in pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sold. 100%. Definitely <laughs> sold. I, I think yes. it's a great program. And I knew a little bit about it before, but now you know, you explain this and, and hopefully the first responders who are listening across the country, across the world, hopefully this will take hold. And Keith, why don't you do this? If, if there is a first responder, I don't care if they're in California, if they're, you know, I know you guys can only help in certain states, but at least give them some direction. Or maybe the, the company can start a new program somewhere. Um, let us know how we can get a hold of you, your website and, and your company. Yeah, uh, the website is awarerecoverykid.com. <clears throat> and any first responder that needs to reach out to someone, I'll give them my phone number. It's 978-424-8990. If you're in California, call me. We'll, we'll, we can at least talk. Figure something out, yeah. I'm that person you need to reach out to because you're having a bad day. Make the phone call. So be it. Yeah, absolutely. Could you say the email one more time for us? Awarerecoverykid.com is the website. AwareRecovery.com. AwareRecovery.com. Okay. AwareRecoveryCare.com. Um, Keith, that that was a uh, great. I mean, Jesus, that was that was great. I mean, the the, the stuff that you guys are doing, it's amazing. And uh, you know, um, thank you so much for for doing what you did. Thank you for all the years of service in the corrections. That's a long time to be behind those walls. And I'm glad you uh, you came out. I'm glad we're still friends and we still talk. Um, that's that, that was really important. Um, usually, when people retire, they just go their own way. But um, you know, th- this is good to have you as a connection still well i got into this field because of people like you ed um when someone <laughs> it's true when someone brings up you know especially in the doc 
um, recovery, your name pops up, Genesis House pops up, and I just want my name to be as good as yours. Hopefully, I help as many people. <laughs> thank you for having me on the show. Thanks, 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 Keith. So, Skyler, uh, Keith, a bear, uh, a bear, a <laughs> bear, um, uh, and I you did it. <laughs> either way, either way, that's it. He's easy. He has an open line of communication, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you did a great job, Skyler, filling in for the Podfather. Even though w- either one Thank of us you, don't Skyler. have a uh, yeah, even one of us don't have a uh, uh, first responders background. So um, that's it, guys. Um, answering the call, the first responders podcast. Stay safe, everybody.